Good morning. It's very good to be with you all again. I think this is my third or fourth time with you, and I have really enjoyed uh, the partnership that New Hope Uganda has with this church. You've meant so much to us over the years, and uh, we really, really love to have the opportunity to uh, spend some time with you, to get to know some of you better, and to thank you again for that partnership. Um, this church has done so many things over the years, sending teams uh, to Uganda. A number of people right here in this room have been to Uganda, some more than once, and have really done some significant ministry with some of the children there. Uh, one of the teams has gone to uh, Kobwin, which is over in the eastern part of the country, and uh, ministered medically there. And that's a very significant uh, investment. In the Kobwin area, or the, our Kobwin Children's Center is set up to care for and to minister to the rescued children, the children who were abducted by Konyi uh, and the LRA and tormented, tortured, and uh, demonized and turned into killing machines. And through the work there, a number of those are finding a whole new life in Christ and being restored in relationship uh, with, with God and with their fellow man and finding forgiveness and finding uh, repentance and their lives are being transformed. And so you all have been a part of that. You've also been involved with uh, praying for us and you've been involved with sponsorship. I'm very grateful for the emphasis that this church has on on sponsoring children. We still need many more sponsors, so there is a, a little um, stand in the back that, that uh, boy, I knew her name, I know her name, Bonnie. Yeah, it just slipped my mind. Uh, Bonnie is uh, manning that in the back, and she can give you more information on that, but we'd really encourage you, if you're not sponsoring, to, to pray about that possibility. And more uh, significantly at this moment is that you are sending the Augustos to be with us and to work with us there. And that, I know, is a sacrifice for you. Uh, and it's a tremendous blessing for us. So thank you for being willing to do that. Thank you for, for your heart toward them and your heart toward us in sending them to us. We really appreciate it, and we will take good care of them. And Lord willing, we'll send them back to you someday in, in good shape. <laughs> so uh, my wife is here, and my youngest son, can you stand up? This is Vicki and Jeremiah. <clears throat> uh, we have six children, and this is number five. Number six is uh, somewhere in the children's ministry. That's Julia. So with that, I'd like to, us to just have a, a brief video. I know that some of you uh, are new or don't know a lot about our ministry, so this video will give you a quick um, understanding of what we are all about, and then I'll speak after that. 
Uganda. Churchill dubbed it the Pearl of Africa for its beautiful scenery and natural splendor. But Uganda is also a country with a brutal history of war, terror, and human crisis. Squarely set in the heart of Africa, Uganda is roughly the size of the state of Michigan, yet it has three times the population. The odds are stacked against unwanted children in Uganda. Minimal education, lack of family care, and maximal poverty typically translate into a life of grinding hardship on society's margins. But in the heart of the country, scores of broken, unwanted children have enjoyed a different fate. In a country of no hope, there is now new hope. In September of 1986, Jay Dangers, his wife Vicky, and their three small children moved from California to Uganda to begin a work with children orphaned by war. Slowly the Lord began to lay the foundation for a profound ministry. In 1988, New Hope Uganda opened the Kasana Children's Center. Today, New Hope Uganda is responsible for over 500 children. Kasana Children's Center is the home of over 120 children and nearly 80 staff members. Isubi Ipia Vocational Primary School provides free education, vocational training, discipleship, love, food, and medical care to approximately 300 children. New Hope Academy now has 85 secondary students, and the New Hope Vocational Institute graduates at least 20 students each year. The New Hope Institute of Child Care and Family now trains and sends over 30 committed servants of the Lord each year into the harvest field to work with orphaned and destitute children across the world. The number of people who have come through Kasana in teams or as short-term missionaries and visitors reaches well into the thousands, each individual contributing their own part to the Kasana story. So that's some of what we have been involved with over the last uh, 27 years in Uganda. And I just would like to tell you the story of one young man that we uh, have been uh, ministering to over the years. His name is Mwanje. He, he came to us in 1996 or so. He was a, a boy of about five years old. And he, he was not an AIDS orphan like most of our children, and he was not a war orphan like our earliest children were. But he was, his father and his mother were both very alive, though his mother uh, was crippled and uh, in both legs and was in a wheelchair. His father, very alive and strong, but very brutal, very harsh, 
Uh, he was a, a man who liked to show his, his manhood by the way he dominated, domineered. Uh, he was abusive to Mwanje, throwing him against the wall, hitting him, beating him. So when Mwanje came to us, he was, he was very damaged. He had a hard look on his face. I could tell just by his, his bone structure and so on that he was going to grow up to be a big, strong man. And I was concerned about what kind of big, strong man he was going to become. Was he going to be like his father, who used his strength in very harmful ways, or was he going to be transformed by the renewing of his mind so that he could use his strength in godly ways to be a good provider, to be a good protector, and to walk with his God and lead others to the Lord. Well, it's a number of years later now, and Wanje is actually on staff with us. He's about 23 years old, and he really does love the Lord. He didn't do well in school uh, for a variety of reasons. I do think that some of his early trauma and possibly even some head injuries affected his ability to, to uh, perform well academically. But Mwanje knows and loves the Lord, and he is a real asset uh, to our ministry. He is in the process now of earning or saving up some money because he wants to buy land, and after he buys land, he's uh, going to be looking for a wife. And uh, he doesn't know it, and the Augustos and anyone else who goes out there shouldn't tell him that I said this, but um, I have an, uh, a wife in mind for him. <laughs> yeah. I'm considering how to uh, maneuver some things there because I think she would be a, a great wife for him. But the thing is, he would be a great husband for her because of what God has done in his life. He's not the hard little boy that came to us a number of years ago. He is, he is well on the road to transformation. And by the grace of God, we have had the opportunity to see a number of children transformed who come to us very wounded, very damaged by life, but God uh, and the message of the cross transform these children and give them uh, a great reason to live. Now, I would like to ask you, why are you here. I don't mean why are you here in this room, but why are you here? Do you have, do you know your reason for being? Mwanje does. And, you know, if we had time, I could, I could hear from you what your reasons are. Some of them would be uh, you're here because, you know, God gave you the gift of teaching. Or maybe we have some medical doctors. Or uh, maybe you're in ministry in one way or another. 
my job is to bring the fatherhood of God to the fatherless. That's what we are all about in Uganda, bringing the fatherhood of God to the fatherless. But that isn't why I exist. And whatever you do is not why you exist. I am called to do what I do, but God didn't create me because he needed me to do that job. He could have found another way of doing it. And whatever you do, God could find a different way, and I hope you don't mind me saying so, a better way of getting the job done than to employ you. So that's not why you're here. Let's look at Genesis chapter 1. And I hope this is a passage that you all are becoming very familiar with because, you know, I grew up in the church and uh, Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 3, I heard them a thousand times and they were stale and boring and I didn't, I didn't see, you know, I believed it, but it didn't affect my life. But in more recent years, I have come to really enjoy the, the especially the first three chapters of Genesis, and I commend them to you, and I, I suggest very strongly that you spend a lot of time studying them. They are so rich. It's not just a little children's story. This is truth. This is foundational for our lives in many, many ways. So let's just consider the creation story. And uh, we won't read it, but I'll just refer to several things that God did. Um, in verse 3, it says, Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Um, then in verse 9, then God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. Um, verse 14. Then God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. And it was so. God was demonstrating tremendous power, tre tremendous creativity. But do you see his heart in this? Now, I, I know that he loved what he was creating because, you know, it tells us several times that he saw it and it was good. He was enjoying it, but we, in the way this is expressed, we don't see his heart. Even when it comes to things like, like um, fish, verse 20, it says, Then God said, Let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures, and let the birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens, and it happened. Suddenly there was all kinds of fish and sea creatures, water creatures, and the skies were filled with, with birds of all different kinds. Millions of birds of thousands of different kinds. But where is God's heart in that? 
Do, you, do we see God's heart? Again, it was good and God enjoys good things, but we don't really see his heart. Look at verse 24. Then God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature according to its kind and the creeping thing according uh, and the beast of the earth each according to its kind and it was so. So here he just speaks to the earth and he says, earth bring forth animals and it did. Thousands of different species, millions of, of each one, mass production. Now contrast that, God's creative power very dramatically expressed, to verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. And then we're jumping over to chapter 2, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Do you see the difference? God could have said, earth, bring forth people, just like he said to the earth, bring forth animals. But something very dramatically different is happening here. This isn't mass production. This isn't assembly line stuff. This is something that expresses God's heart. Because God Almighty, the, the Trinitarian God, the Godhead spoke among themselves and said, let us, let us make man in our image. So it's out of the relationship within the Godhead that man was created. Man came out of relationship. And then as we uh, look at verse 7 of chapter 2, uh, I wish, maybe God will show us what this looked like someday. What does God look like? I don't know. And how does God, I mean, the way I picture it in my very limited way is I picture God Almighty bending over and scooping soil together and shaping it. You know, the, in Psalm 139, it talks about how we were knit together in our mother's womb. Well, this isn't a womb, but somehow God is knitting together this being. And then he breathes into this being his own breath, his own life. And this new life is an image bearer of the Almighty God. Very, very, very different 
from let the earth bring forth animals. So people, we are here for relationship. We came out of the relationship within the Godhead and God invested so much in the process of creating us because we were created for relationship with him. And I really hope that sits or sinks deeply into your hearts and minds. You were created, you exist for relationship. You exist for relationship with the Most High God, Mwanje, and I could name many, many other children. They exist for relationship with the Most High God. We do not exist to perform functions. It's good for us to perform functions. God created the garden, but he created the garden for the man, not the man for the garden. Adam needed a place to live, a place to be productive, a place to get food, and he needed a place to walk with his God. And that's why the garden was created. The garden was not created, or Adam was not created because God had created a garden and he needed a gardener to make the place look nice. No. The garden was created for the man. And you all have a garden. All of us have gardens. Uh, I think that we each actually have several gardens. My wife is one of my gardens. My children, my family, are an extension of that garden. New Hope Uganda is my garden. What is your garden or what are your gardens? It would be very useful for you to think very strategically and identify the gardens that God has given you. Your neighborhood can be one of your gardens. Kent can be one of your gardens. This church can be one of your gardens. But these gardens that you have, you weren't created because God needed a gardener in that garden. If you are a teacher, your classroom is a garden, but God could have gotten those children educated without your help. So he didn't create you for that purpose, but he created that garden because you need a place to live and be productive and to walk with him. And God allows there to be thorns and dead branches, and fallen logs, and who knows whatever else, in our gardens, because it's through the process of living and working with God in our gardens that we get to know him. 
we grow in him. All of the struggles that you are having, whether it's with your family, whether it's with your neighbors, whether it's with your workmates, whatever they, your troubles are, God allows these things because these things help us see our need of him. They keep driving us back. We, by nature, after the fall, are so independent-minded that we keep turning to go our own way. And we, even us Christians, we often think of ourselves as, as separate from God. You know, we, we talk about uh, wanting to be complete. God completes me. You know, it's like my life is a puzzle with lots of little pieces and there's a piece missing. That's God. And I need that piece to complete me. No, that's backwards. God is the puzzle and I'm the missing piece. And I am complete when I am in him. My life makes sense when I am in relationship with him. It's not about me. It's about my relationship with him. And these are the kinds of things that, that uh, the children in Uganda who have lost their parents from AIDS or abandonment or rejection or whatever else it would be need to hear. But it's what we all need to hear and need to be reminded of. We exist not to perform tasks. We exist for relationship. First of all, most primarily, relationship with the Almighty God. Consider Jesus. Jesus is our great example because he came to us not just to save us from our sins, which he very gloriously has done, but also to show us how to live. And have you ever noticed how Jesus is always identifying himself in relationship with his Father? He doesn't identify himself separate from his Father, the way we so often do. Um, there are many, many examples of it, but uh, John chapter 14, verse 10, says, Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. Jesus, God Almighty, who actually was the one who spoke the world and everything into being, still is identifying himself with his Father. There's, there's no separate identity for Jesus. And he is our example. And he says in chapter 15, verse uh, 5, 
I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. You can't even exist without him. It's in him that we live and move and have our being. And without him, we do not live and we do not move and we do not have our being. Now, most of us spend most of our time forgetting that. You know, it's true whether we remember it or not. Most of us spend most of our days as if it's all about me and God is an, an addition to my life and I, you know, how would I live without him? Sort of like how would I live without my car? My car is very important to me, but my car is not my life. God is my life. God is your life. Uh, John 17 verse 3 says, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is eternal life. And that eternal life doesn't start when you die. That eternal life has already started. This is eternal life, knowing him, walking in relationship with him. That is life. That is why you exist. That is why you are still on this earth. It's not just about salvation. It's about a continuous daily walk with our creator. Just as Adam and Eve walked in the garden with God. And I don't, it doesn't tell us that he worked side by side with them when they were doing their gardening work. But I assume he did. They were very familiar with the sound of God moving in their garden. Are we familiar with the sound of God moving in our gardens? Or are we getting so distracted by life and the many other noises and sounds in our lives that we can go through our days without realizing that our God is in the garden he has given us with us. So my challenge to all of us today is to ask ourselves, why am I here? Do I really recognize, have I owned the reason for my existence, or am I living for secondary things, secondary purposes? Why are you here? And what will it look like what should it look like for us to live in our garden or our gardens 
walking with our God? What kind of changes would that bring about in our lives? So as you leave today and as you go back into your gardens, keep that in mind. And please also remember the Mwanjays of the world. I was very excited to hear about all of the people, the Somalis in this area. That's amazing. You have mission opportunities. That, that can be your garden or one of your gardens. Right here in this area, you can have a tremendously rich and rewarding uh, experience with your God in a garden like that. But don't, if God were to lead you to minister, let's say, to the Somalis, don't get your identity from that. Don't get your self-worth from that. That is your garden, your place to walk with your God and to get your identity from him, from your relationship with him. God bless you all. And thanks again for all of your, your partnership with us. It just opens up a whole perspective, Jay, on, on looking at that, those passages. That was fantastic. Did it do that for you this morning? Yeah. It's really something so simple, it's extremely profound. I mean, it just brings me back to the simple thing of knowing God and walking with Him and knowing Him. Yesterday in our prayer meeting, a scripture came out that I think was prophetic in nature. It was concerning some other things that were going on much along the same lines, the busyness of life and the distractions. And the passage that someone shared was, be still and know that I am God. And it just, you know, it wasn't necessarily directly for me, but it was for, for me and maybe for some of you at our prayer meeting yesterday. It just sort of, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I can just stop and be still and know that I am, that, that, no. <laughs> Did I get that wrong? Absolutely. He is God. And just slow it down a bit. I was talking to another brother and he was uh, challenging me and encouraging me to drive the speed limit. <laughs> and he said he decided, because he was like me a lot, he decided he was going to start doing that. And he found in that a great peace. It's a great, you know, he can sort of enjoy his God in the car. I didn't think that was possible. Anyway, Jay, thank you so much, and Vicki, for, for coming and being with us. We love you guys. We're praying for you guys. We're thankful that, that they're going to be with you, and um, we're hoping they do come back, but as the Lord has them in your garden, uh, you got some great, great folks there. So 
Why don't you stand with me and uh, let's commit this study and these thoughts to the Lord in prayer and then we'll close with a song. So Lord, again, we're thankful for our hearts being drawn to you. Every time that you're doing that, Lord, it's a continual reminder again of the incredible, incredible thing that you would have formed us in your image. You knit us together in our mother's womb. We are fearfully and wonderfully made and that our souls know right well. Lord, where can we go from your presence? Where can we flee? Nowhere. There's no place that you're not, Lord. In thorns and thistles and trials and tribulations and difficulties, you are there. And so, Lord, again, we, we, we acknowledge you, but more than that, Lord, we bow before you and we thank you. And we lift our hearts to you. We lift our busyness to you. Lord, we lift these things that Jay hit on this morning of finding other things to be kind of the reason that we're here. Lord, we're here because you put us here. You created us. You knit us together. And we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And so, God, we pray this morning you'd hear our hearts cry after you. We're praying this morning, Lord, again, for anyone here that does not know that relationship, does not know you, their creator, is aware of things, has been, you know, thinking about things. But Jesus, you said apart from you we can do nothing until we understand that relationship and why you've put us here. Really all these other things add up to a great, like, like Solomon said, vanity of vanity. It all comes up empty if there's not a God. If there's not you if we don't really know the reason for, our, for, for being here. So Lord, minister, I pray the gospel of your love and sacrifice for those here that need to know you need to walk with you. Draw them, Jesus, please. Let's worship him.